Thank God. Thank God for good music. Amen. Hey, would you take your Bibles and if you can stand in honor of the word, do so please and go to the book of Job chapter 1 for our lesson today. I leaned over to Pastor Richard Brownlee and said, what am I going to do with all that energy you stirred up, man? I like the energy of the Holy Spirit and I like his anointing in our lives more for us than our human bodies can contain. Job chapter 1, I just finished in my personal journey through the scriptures, reading the book of Job. And though I've preached from this book uh, numbers of times, I couldn't leave it without which the Holy Spirit brought to me several truths that He wants me to be aware of and to help you today. I want to talk to you about when life gets tough and when life is out of control. And I want to read just a few verses, but I ask you to keep your Bibles open. Chapter 1 Verse number 20. Then Job arose. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. That's a good thought, isn't it? Bow for a few seconds with me. Lord, I, I just need you to continue to lift the Word of God out of the pages and into my heart so that I can relate it through my lips to the people of God. God, I, I cannot read their minds and they cannot read mine. But you know all of our minds and you know where we are and what's going on today. And I believe that you have a present, powerful, anointed Word for us this morning. Father, I just ask you today that that word would bring the results that it has in so many lives in the past by way of your miraculous work. Help us, deliver us, encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you very much. And you may be seated. When I think about tough times, synonymous with that thought, I think about being out of control, life being out of control. Some years ago, when our girls were much smaller, on a Saturday evening, it was in the fall, we went to this place between uh, Fayetteville and Riverdale, Dixieland, I think they call it. It's so like an amusement park, and uh, it's a small scale of what you might see at a uh, place like Six Flags, etc. And wanted to spend a little time with, with the girls and my wife uh, on a Saturday afternoon, uh, we thought, well, we'd go play some carpet golf and a few other things that's there. Driving up to it, however, and getting out of the car, we observed that uh, there was a new feature that wasn't there the last time we came, and this new feature uh, involved a rectangular, large rectangular pool, like a swimming pool, pretty large, and uh, probably no deeper than maybe four feet or so. Uh, and in that pool were a number of these inner tube-looking devices that were motorized. And the object is to get in this and to use the motorized equipment there and the propeller or whatever to propel yourself all over the pool and also like a bumper car kind of thing. You know what I mean about bumper cars? Uh, that you would just bump into each other, create a lot of splash, a lot of water, a lot of fun. Well, our girls got excited about that possibility. Now here's something about me that was true then is true now. Anything that goes around very fast, very fast, that has me on board, it's not very, I'm very much allergic to that, okay? Okay? Uh, it took me years to, to, to get, to venture on some roller coasters of, of different kinds because 
while I think they're very nice and amusing, uh, I know me and I know my stomach, you know. And uh, if it goes around very fast, rapidly, and if it goes down and up very quickly, I lose my joy and a few of the other things. And so, uh, but, but the girls were excited. I was excited. I thought maybe this is manageable. So we bought our ticket. It's supposed to be like about a five-minute little ride. You buy your ticket and you get on there, you know. And so Kimberly teamed up, teamed up with her mother and Jennifer teamed up with me. And so we were going to have a, a little time together. Well, I, I began to accelerate on the thing like, you know, you would uh, uh, like a motorcycle or such. And, and for the life of me, brothers and sisters, uh, it just kept going round and round. <laughs> the more I accelerated, I thought I could get out of this Round and round and round if I increase the acceleration. <laughs> Jennifer says, Daddy, quit spinning this around so fast I'm getting sick. I said, Honey, I'm getting sick too. But I don't know how to do this. And I was trying to, 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 to maneuver it, and, and two guys on another one of these bumper car looking in the tubes in the pool, two guys saw that I was helpless. Okay? And they saw how they could have fun. I want to tell you, they splashed and bumped and wet and soaked us and laughed through the whole process. And I looked for Valerie and Kimberly somewhere, and they were just beautifully just maneuvering this inner tube thing all over the pool, you know? It was four minutes into the ride. It's a five-minute little ride, and I hadn't figured it out yet until I finally thought, you know, if I just take my hands off of this silly thing, just quit, take your hands off the handlebar. Just leave it alone. It'll sit. And it did. And then pretty soon, I figured it out. I figured out I had less than a minute left or maybe a minute. And, uh, oh, I thought now I could do it. And I got somewhat small degree of revenge on those demon-possessed boys. <laughs> but by the, time, by the time I got off the ride, brothers and sisters, the time I got off the ride, I was drenched, I was dizzy, and I was deep freeze because it was late October. And the reason why all that happened is because it was out of control. And I have come to realize that not only is that way at amusement parks and stuff you shouldn't be messing with, but I've come to realize that Life can be that way at times, and it's not funny. Can I get a witness, somebody? I have come to realize that you can be living wonderful and blessed and happy, and, and everything's coming up glorious one day, and then out of nowhere, everything changes in your life. And you feel like your world's going around and around, rapidly, up and down, turn to the left, turn to the right, and there's no stillness. And you feel like the more you try to get out of this situation that you're in, the worse it becomes. Your life is out of control. And, you know, and during those times when you feel like your life is out of control, you know what the devil does? He tends to magnify the life of a heathen somewhere who is in control. Y'all helping me here? You know, I, I mean, you're serving God, you're giving your offerings and your tithes, and you're attending church, and you're in ministry in the choir, or the youth, or the children, or prayer, or hospitality, or whatever. You are serving God. You're doing all the right things. And it's been the question of the ages. Long before you and I ever came around, the question of the ages has been, why does a righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? Psalm 73 is all about that. And the devil will magnify in your eyes. He, he'll, uh, your world's falling apart. You see somebody else whose checkbook is balancing wonderfully. You see somebody else, they ain't just living too right, and the kids are making good grades, their marriage is perfect, their jobs are secure, and you're not so sure whether you'll have a job next week because that's how the storms blow in and are unpredictable. Uh, they have money in the bank. You, you, you don't have any money in the bank. Uh, they are the picture of health, and you feel like you're suffering in your body. And, and you know how it goes when the devil gets us as a weak moment and amplifies our hurts and our pains, not only in our personal life, but when you look at the whole world. The last two Sundays I've been speaking to you about signs that point to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I even thought I'd go back there this, this Sunday 
but the Holy Spirit directed me here because of the right now word that he wants to give. When you look at the world, when you look at the economy, when you look at crime, when you look at the attacks on families, when you look at the marriage and divorce plight of many people who didn't ask for it and don't want it, when you look at, uh, when you look at the environmental factors of our world, when you look at terrorism and its potential threat, and I can go on and on. If you look at the world in general, you'll think the things are out of control. Can I, can I get a witness here? And, and so what happens is we have to say to ourselves, Lord, how do I respond to this? How do I respond when it seems like the dam has busted and broken unannounced and I'm in the lower part of the, of the pathway of the water from the dam and nobody's blowing a horn and nobody's blowing a whistle and nobody's come by and announced a siren that I need to get out of the way and all of a sudden I'm inundated. What do I do? How do I respond? Well, the world does several things when life is out of control. A lot of times people get very sick. There, I don't know that there's ever been a time in American history where more people are suffering from the symptoms of stress than now. Stress. Stress of all kinds. And it does all kinds of things to your body. Stress on the job. I spoke to my uncle last evening. He lives in Canada, in Toronto, Canada. His daughter is getting married in early August, and they invited our family to be there. And, and this is my mother's brother, and uh, his name is Krishna. And I was speaking to him, and he said to me, Alan, he says, uh, since January, my, bu- my body has been breaking out in whelps and bumps that the doctors do not know why. They're giving me treatment, and he said, I use this calamine lotion and some of the other things. He said, I've been to the doctors. I've had blood work. I've, did all this ki- I've done all these kind of tests. But since January, I have been unannounced and uh, oftentimes unpremeditated. My body breaks out, and it's, it's absolutely distracting. He says, uh, doctor, think it's stress. Now, what happens is the place that he's working for, that he's been working for for almost 30 years, is up for sale. The business is up for sale. And, and he doesn't know if the potential buyer, uh, the next owner, will keep him employed. I mean, no, that's the way kind of life is. And so sometimes people get sick handling when life is out of control. There are other times when, when you don't know what to do. Out of control and not enough money. And like so many Americans, and I regret this, and I want you to help me pray that less people will lose their homes and lose their place. Amen? Of dwelling. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a place. Okay? So, but there are so many people who are having to declare bankruptcy and, and go into foreclosure. They, they intended when they signed the dotted line. They intended when they borrow the money to be honorable, but they don't have the money. And some have to declare bankruptcy. There are other people because of the pressures of life divorce or separate there are other people who might resolve to try to patronize themselves or get through the hurt by drugs or alcohol this past week i heard of two suicides one of which i knew one of the gentlemen i knew and i had some interaction with him over the last years very fine gentleman the pressure on his job however while they were not pressuring him about his job he felt the personal pressure to perform and succeed these are economically difficult times. He felt the personal pressure, went to his car in the garage, took a gun and took his life. And, and, and I'm saying to you, that's how sometimes the world, the devil, demons would want us to respond just to quit. There is this wonderful person called Job from whom I have learned so many lessons that I don't have the time to tell you all of them. You haven't really suffered until you suffer like Job. And I know all of us in our lives, sometime in some places, says, I'm Job. I'm going through a Job. I don't know. I don't know if you really have. 
Uh, but I want to tell you that God didn't put this book in the Bible by accident because God knew that you and I would need some do's and don'ts for when life is out of control. I want to give you some don'ts and I want to give you some do's and we're going to have a doozy of a time. Huh? I, 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 want, to be your, I want to be your therapist this morning. And, and I want to be your doctor. I, I want to be your, your word of life to you through the power of Jesus. What do you do when it all comes out of control? When you have time, read the 42 chapters of the book of Job. You'll find that they're amazingly filled with humanity. Let, let me tell you what's happening here. The first thing you don't do when life is out of control, you don't blame. Y'all are shouting me down. Maybe you're waiting for some additions to that. 122, that's Job 122. In all this, hold on to that thought. I'll tell you what this is in a moment. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Here's a phrase again. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Oh, what does this mean? Next slide, if you will, my brother. The next slide shows us how wealthy and blessed Job was up until the time his world got out of control. He was a man who had an abiding relationship with God, loved God, and served God with integrity. And because he did, God blessed him, blessed him, blessed him. But the devil wanted to find somebody to accuse before God. And the devil came before the presence of God one day when other angels were coming before the presence of God, maybe for their monthly or annual report. And the Bible says the devil is an accuser of the brethren, also the sisters too. And he's reporting and, and, and the angels are reporting how righteous and wonderful and, and good the Lord is and how those who are serving him are doing it and they're worthy of recognition. And the devil says, well, I'll tell you about this man, Job. If you take away your blessings from him, he'll backslide. You blessed him with seven sons and three daughters. You blessed him with 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, a large number of servants. And you've blessed him with a name and a reputation that is impeccable. He is known as the greatest man in the East, righteous man. But I'm telling you, God, the devil says to God, I'm telling you, God. You take some of that from him, and he's a good time only Christian. And God says, I, I, I beg to differ with you. So there's a divine wager going on here. You ever wonder if God ever does that over you? I hope he finds me faithful. Can you say an amen? I feel a whoop glory coming on. I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to throw sparks at you guys. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. You need to always be a prayed up choir. You never know what's going to come out. I don't know who you are. I know who you are. L listen to this. In one day. In one day. I won't give you the whole story. Most of you know it from Sunday school. Less than half the day, brothers and sisters, news came to Job. That's all the verses preceding the ones that I read. Okay, I started at verse 20. Finish at verse 22 in chapter 1. All the verses preceding those verses tells us that a messenger came in and said, Your sheep, your camels, your oxen, your donkeys, all destroyed, either by theft or fire or vandals. Okay? All of them destroyed. Uh, your servants also. In the same, one messenger comes and talks about his sheep. Another one hardly finish and says, let me tell you about your camels. Before he hardly finish, somebody else comes and says, let me tell you about your oxen, your donkeys. And then the worst of all tragic news is that his sons and daughters, seven and three, ten altogether, have been celebrating in the eldest son's house. They may be having a, a birthday party for one of the, one of the uh, 
brothers and sisters. Uh, they, there's festivity, there's food, there's music, there's laughter. All the children are having a wonderful time. And out of nowhere, the messenger says, a violent wind. We know it and can describe it as tornadic, tornado, comes out of the wilderness and destroys the house, flattens it, and everybody in it is dead. And what happens is, what's remarkable here is that you find that the response of Job, and the only reason Job has this response is because he didn't start serving God yesterday when he got this news today. The only reason he, he could make this kind of response that is not hypocritical or superficial, he falls down to the ground and he begins to talk to God. He falls prostrate on his belly and face on the ground, the dirt. And he makes these remarks. And I'll paraphrase it. You know, I came into this world naked. And in spite of everything I've got, and now I heard I lost it all, I'm going to go out of this world naked. Naked I came, naked I leave. The Lord gave me everything I have. And it seemed like he chose to take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's faith. That's a faith to which I think all of us can attain by the power of God. But see, the human tendency is to blame. Can I get a witness here? The human tendency is to say, if my daddy didn't make that decision, if my mama didn't make that decision, and they may be a part of the, the reason why your life is out of control, but blaming is not going to solve it. Huh? We got the, they'll say, well, it's in our family's genetic tree, this alcoholism. So I'll buy me another pint and drink it. Uh, this this uh, divorce thing seems to be a generational curse on our families. So I'll file for divorce too since I don't have a choice. I'm not trying to slam anybody. I'm just telling you the way the devil works. This money thing and bankruptcy thing. Can't handle money, and, and if it wasn't for the, the boss, and if it wasn't for the so and so that didn't keep their word, they told me they'd give me a raise, they told me I'd have a promotion, they told me I would, I, I, I would attain to this particular uh, status in the company if I put in this many years and this many time and went to these courses and did this class. And now here I am, no better off than I was three years ago. And say, say blame just, just begins to cause your spirit to be sour. And what happens is we understand that blaming gets us nowhere because sometimes I have come to understand this, that sometimes my life has been out of control because of my own misjudgments. Help me, somebody. Sometimes I knew better and didn't do it, and my life is messed up. Sometimes I should have been silent, but I had to say something, and when I did, I caused pain for them and me. And now my life is out of control. Uh, sometimes I knew that I can hardly make the payment. Well, let me, uh, God. let me say, sometimes they knew they could hardly make the payment on this. But, oh, I've got to have this too. And then this came along with it. And, you know, if you buy the warranty, you can do, you know, and can't hardly make the groceries and the gasoline and the house payment. But I gotta have. I don't just have to have a TV. I gotta have one as big and wide as the Empire State Building. Just a little exaggeration there, a little evangelistic preaching. 
know, sometimes we put, uh, we wonder about our kids who have gone astray and, and gone with the wrong crowd and they've experimented with drugs and alcohol and premarital sex and they're just rebellious and violent. Sometimes it's not altogether their fault. All of it. Sometimes somebody didn't take them to church. Didn't take out the little hickory. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When your mom told you to go pick a switch from behind the house, <laughs> she wasn't telling you to go get some kind of feeble-looking noodle of a limb. You sin so bad, she wanted you to get the whole tree. Beat the daylight. I'm not talking about child abuse. I'm not for child abuse. You see what I'm saying? But the Bible said you spare the rod and you spoil the child. You see your child. L- listen to this handsome, bald-headed preacher. Where is he? Just keep looking. You'll find him. Understand me. Understand me. I'm saying to you, your child doesn't need you to be their best friend. That will come later. It's amazing how it will come later. It's amazing how your teenage daughter will think you are the wicked witch of the West, Mom. Your teenage daughter, 15, 16, 17, the wicked witch of the West, when she then gets married and she has a child and she needs a best friend, you're Princess Diana. This, this man is doing some preaching. But, but here's, here's the problem. So many parents opt for wanting their child to be best friends when they, when they need somebody to rebuke them in love and say, you're my child and I love you, but I'm going to keep you from this. So sometimes our life spins out of control, our children, because of what we... So instead of saying, I'll blame God, I'll blame the church, I'll blame the preacher, I'll blame the coach, I'll blame the judge, I'll blame the police officer, look into your own heart. I have to do it too. Look into your own life and say, God, if I've messed up, uh, give me a new beginning starting today. But I will not blame you. Don't, here's another thing. Don't blow your stack. You know what I mean by that? You see, when you blow your stack, you blow your testimony. You ever heard about foot and mouth disease? Help me out here. You know what I mean? Should be demonstrate. Huh? Uh, foot and mouth disease, I open my mouth and then I put my foot in it because I said the wrong thing. You know, a lot of people, if you're silent, they'll think you're profound. I mean, you're silent and the heated argument's going on. and Yeah, yeah, back and forth, quarrel, arguing, all kinds of issues. You're just silent. They'll think you're profound. And unless you are, you open your mouth, you might prove them otherwise. Don't blow your stack. Because when you blow your stack, you blow your testimony. You know what happened? Job... Lost it all. And the devil wasn't satisfied. He comes back for his annual report or his quarterly report after Job suffered all this stuff, okay? And uh, he says, you know what? I tell you, God, the reason Job hadn't backslid, even though you took all his stuff, and let me take all his stuff, because God didn't do it. He let the devil do it because he knew he could test Job. Sometimes God will let storms blow in because he wants to mature us, develop us, help us, build us up, and take us off milk and put us on meat. Help me preach, somebody. So he says, let the winds blow in Job's life a little because I'm going to take care of him. The devil says, if I can touch his body, oh boy, when you're feeling bad, it's just, can I get an amen here? I mean, even if it's a little pinky that's hurting, your whole body hurts, especially if you're masculine. <laughs> if you let me touch his body, God, he'll curse you. God says, I... I'll take you to the second level of this divine wager. Go ahead, touch his body, but you can't kill him. 
boils, horrendous, awful boils, broke all over his body. Uh, good Lord, help me. Uh, uh, boils that were, they didn't have the salves and the ointments and the other things that we have today. And so it spread like a leprous kind of thing all over his body. Open, open oozing, nasty, smelly, etc. Boils. The only relief Mr. Job could have is to sit on an ash heap where a fire was before, and it's now cold, pour ashes on his head because it's a sign of mourning, dress in uh, just old clothes or clothes that represents mourning, like you think about a burlap bag kind of stuff. And he could take a little piece of broken pottery, and he would scrape the boils because he was such a pain night and day. His friends showed up because they heard of his suffering. Don't blow your stack, okay? They saw the intensity of his suffering. All of his ten children were dead. There was not an ox, a donkey, a camel on the, promise, on, on, on the premises. All gone. To get close to him, the odor was so strong. For seven days, Elphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, those were his friends, <laughs> with names like that. You wonder what his mother, what their mothers were drinking. Uh, Elphaz, Bildad, and Zophar showed up for seven days. They don't say a thing. Can I get an amen here? Because sometimes it's just good to think it through. Huh? They ponder. And then they wonder what to say. And when they do open their mouth, all three of them are wrong about him. But we'll know about that later. Joe, let, let, let me tell you something. The Bible says sometimes you have to just be still and know that I am God. Give me the next point, please, sir. Don't belittle yourself. Is it just like the devil? When your life is out of control, when you're suffering in your body, when your finances are limited, your children are unconcerned, you feel like God's a million miles away. The heaven is brass. And it's just like the devil to tell you, God doesn't care, nobody else cares. And it's just like the devil for you to belittle yourself. And he calls you to say things like, I've always been a failure. I'm a failure now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He'll, 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 uh, he'll say something like this. You were a born loser, and you always lose. You'll always be anxious. You'll always be nervous. You'll always be a misfit. You'll never get your act together. What happens is, the more you talk negatively for yourself, to yourself, the more you create doom and the presence of darkness and the influence of demons. There is something about speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs according to Ephesians. Somebody say amen to that. I am moving along. The Bible says that, that we ought to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians. Whatsoever things are good and just and pure and lovely, think on these things. I wish somebody would say amen. I, I, I want to tell you, I have to talk to myself all the time. Can I get an amen? Some of you had to talk to yourself this morning before you came to church because the devil says, no, not today, another time. You're tired. You, you just got off the edge of the, you know, I want to tell you something. If you laugh at older people, you better be sure you limit your laugh because your day is coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to always think that I would always be energetic and vivacious and uh, I could run with the best of them. <laughs> what a stupid man I was. You know, I used to hear people say, I just sat up on the bed and got dizzy. 
thought, what's wrong with you? What you been dreaming or what you been drinking? But so often I just sit up on the bed and get dizzy. Hey, let, let me tell you something. There are numbers of ways why the devil says not to go to church, not to serve God, not to read the Bible today, not to pray today, not to share a good word, not to be kind and courteous, not to go to work. Can I get an amen here? But whatever things are good, just pure, lovely, and a good report, think on them. I'm, I'm hurrying to tell you that God has given all of us His Bible, our Bible, which is His Word, which is the tool to equip us to face the world, the flesh, and the devil. Can I get an amen here? God has given all the resources we are going to need when our life gets out of control by way of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and the Word of God and the language of prayer to get us out of the valley of the shadow of death if we will exercise and take advantage of all the good gifts of God. Somebody clap your hands and praise Him. Yeah. Come on, come on, church. Give Him praise. Listen to me. Write these verses down and read them later. This is going to be your vitamins. I told you I want to be a doctor. This is going to be your vitamins or your shots that you need today, and I want you to read them later. I want to give you good things to dwell on so when your life gets out of control, you can put demons on the run. How many know that God has given us all power through His Son, Jesus Christ? Say amen. The power is not just to the pastor or the priest or any other clergyman or woman. The power is to everybody who is born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. All power is given to you, 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 you and me. Somebody praise the Lord. Yes, you don't have to be a praise leader to have the power or a clergyman or somebody else or some large name of a television preacher. If you have a Bible and you have a little bit of faith, you can energize the power of God against the power of demons. Philippians 4.13. Write this reference down. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say amen. You believe it? 1 John 4 and 4. Write this down. Read it later or give it to a friend. First John 4 and 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus is in me. God is in me. The Holy Ghost is in me. The devil's in the world. Three against one. They'll win every time. Write, write this down. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good. Ah, Fila, Fila, coming on. All things work together for good. And then the love of the Lord and a call to his purpose. Not all things are good. It's not good that Willie Terrell has to be in the hospital this morning from a bleeding ulcer and had to have four pints of blood last Sunday. But it's going to work together for his good. It's not good that Sister Yvonne fell and broke her hip and Sister Anne did the same. It's not good that some of our people are suffering with cancer. I, I know that's not good. It's not good that some of you have lost your job and some of you otherwise don't know what you're going to do about getting another job. All those things are not good. The Bible didn't say all things are good, but he said all things work out together for good to them that are conditions, to them that love God and to them that are called to His purpose. Two conditions. You've got to love Him and do His will. You can't be sipping and, oh God, help me cussing and swearing and adulterating and fornicating and expect everything to work out good. <laughs> Preach it, little man. I think it will. Romans 8.31. Write it down. Romans 8.31. Go to it later. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Talk to yourself like that. My God, if God be for me, you and God are a majority. I don't care how many demons the devil's got. Write this down. Romans 8.37. Paul says no. No, I want to tell you something else. Paul says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave
gave his life for us. Jesus didn't die on Calvary to decorate a hillside 2,000 years ago. He's a living, breathing God right now, today. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's a living God who is living right now to help me with my living. Give the Lord a praise, somebody. My God is not made of stone or wood or cement. My God is not some picture on a wall someplace or some part of the world that i got to go and travel and bow down to a dead God. The Bible says about my God that He is in me and alive. He is my resurrection and my life. He is my everything. And though all hell assails me, God is for me. Come on, give the Lord praise. Yeah. All this bunch of talking to ourselves about nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll just eat worms. You eat worms if you want to. I'll have steak. Yeah. Filet mignon. Yeah. 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 i got to give up my notes so I'm going to lose my... Let me tell you something else. I, I like this verse. Write this one down. This is good. 1 Timothy. <laughs> 1 Timothy 1.7. You ready for it? Are you ready for this? Better than a vitamin. <laughs> Some of you are already thinking about food now since I said something about it. You're going to leave me here yelling and screaming at the next crowd while you take your fork and knife. Well, I'm going to make you suffer. I'm going to preach a little more. No, just kidding. Just kidding. First Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yeah. Yeah, I like a sound mind. I like to be around people who, who have power and love and a sound. You know, you can excuse some people. They ain't got a sound mind. I spoke to my aunt in Trinidad last night. And my grandmother will be, you went to her house, Connie. She'll be 90 years old, August, my grandmother. And my aunt says, every once in a while she kind of talks out of her mind a little bit. I'm thinking, normal, normal for 90 years old. I'm 51 and I do it all the time. <laughs> There's some cases and places where you just kind of let it happen, right? But not when you come to serving God. Speak with a sound mind. His word. Let me show you something else what to do. Don't backslide. Say amen. Don't backslide. You're not serving God because I called you or didn't call you. Say amen. You're not serving God because I didn't shake your hand or did shake your hand. Or any other preacher. Come on and say amen. You're not serving God because somebody in the church took your pew and oh, your parking space. No. Don't backslide. Praise God. You started out serving Jesus. You didn't start to serve a denomination, a preacher, or, or somebody. You're serving Jesus. You want a relationship with Jesus. Don't backslide on Jesus. He's not backsliding on you. Let me tell you this. Write this down. Though it seems like God's ways are hidden from us, our ways are not hidden from Him. Help me preach. I, I am trying to wrap it up. Though it seems like God doesn't tell us what he's doing, where he's going, and how he's going to solve these problems. His ways, though it seems his ways are hidden from us, our ways are not hidden from God. Job said in his book, For thou knowest the way I take, and when, I, when you have tried me, I'll come forth like gold. Write this down. Write this down. God's silence does not infer God's absence. Did you just get that? Yeah, I know. Y'all come say, oh, I heard John Hagen say that. Man, I had a shouting time. No, nah, you didn't hear John Hagen say that. You heard me say that. <laughs> Just because you.
marriage or your mind or your health or your money or your job or your children doesn't mean that God is absent. I feel him here. And some of you are going to be set free. Now, the place that God was the most silent was the place where Jesus needed him the most. At Calvary. At Calvary, God was silent. And Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which is interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God was silent, but he wasn't absent. I'm telling you, don't backslide. Let me tell you something else. Don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. Because bitterness is spiritual suicide that can lead to physical suicide. Now I was going to tell you the do's and don'ts. I'm not going to get to the do's. Come back next week and we'll do some more. Maybe. maybe. Listen, this is the last of what I'm going to share. Don't get bitter. 27, chapter 4. I feel your presence, Jesus. Lift up holy hands with me, church. I don't want to miss this moment. Come on, lift up holy hands. I love you, Jesus. I welcome you, Lord. Somebody's getting healed now, Lord, because somebody's going to take this and it's going to be better than vitamins, better than a shot. It's going to be healing because your word is life. Now look on the screen. My lips will not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. All that I've been through, Job says, I don't get bitter. My righteousness I will hold fast. Not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. As long as I live. Don't get bitter. You know, I read a little something, uh, and I wish I was as articulate as some of the other preachers and I could just remember it, but I might miss it if I don't look at my, my notes. I'm going to close with this. Billy Graham tells a powerful story. Dr. Billy Graham tells a story of how the Lord changed the heart of a very bitter man. The story goes like this. A woman in an African nation came to Christ. And when she came to Christ, of course, Christ changed her life. She grew in her commitment and devotion to the Lord passionately. Over the years, this woman's husband began to despise her and hate her for her new commitment to Jesus. His anger and bitterness reached such a climax, he decided he's going to kill his wife, kill their two children, and kill himself. Because he was tired of the bitterness that his wife didn't turn around and give up Jesus. But he needed a motive to kill his wife, his two children, himself. So he, he was a banker. He decided he would accuse his wife of stealing his precious bank keys. So early one afternoon, he left his bank and headed to the tavern. He took the route across a footbridge headed to the tavern. He took the route across a footbridge over what was the Nile River. He paused above the river. He dropped the keys into the river. And he spent all afternoon drinking and carousing. Later that afternoon, his wife went to the local fish market to buy the evening meal. She purchased a large Nile perch fish. As she was gutting the fish, she was astonished to find that her husband's keys were in its belly. Huh? How had they gotten there? She didn't know. But she cleaned up the keys and hung them on the hook where they normally stay. Sufficiently drunk, 
The young banker came home that night and pounded on the front door shouting, Woman, where are my keys? Already in bed, she got up, picked them up off the hook in the bedroom, and handed them to her husband. When he saw the keys, by his own testimony, by his own testimony, he immediately became sober and was instantly converted to Christ. He fell on his knees, sobbing, asking for forgiveness, and confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. God will always make a way. Stand, please. God will make a way. Grace, 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 grace. Hey, look at me now. Uh, the, the last of the story is, put it on the screen, if you will. And I've already gone my time, but that's my calling, to go past my time. Uh, okay, I'm going to close with this. I want you to be sure that you know the last verses of chapter 42. That when it was all said and done, God wins and Job wins. Because in chapter 42, the Bible says God gave him double his livestock and ten more children. Can I get a witness here? Ten more children. And when it was all said and done, he lived 140 years after that time. Uh, and I'd have one request to God if that was me. I'd say, how about give me a little hair for the rest of those 140 years? The Bible said he died a ripe old age and a good man. Sometimes we just need grace, don't we? Just more grace to make it through tough times. Is that you? Come stand with me at the altar. You need just more grace? Come on. Come on, we're close. Sing it, choir, and sing it as they come. Come on, we need a little more grace. Come on. Just a little more grace, Pastor. A little more Job faith. Come, come. I want to be like Job. I got to make it through some stuff. I don't understand what's going on in my marriage, my family, my money, my health, the health of somebody I love, but I need a little more grace. Come on for grace. It's free. It's free. Free grace. Keep coming. Let's lift our hands in the house. Reach up for grace. Keep coming. Keep coming. For your body. Come for your body. Come for your child. Keep, come on up front. Come on up front. Just worship God. Grace is greater. You're singing your prayer. Sing this prayer. Sing it again. Go ahead, everybody. I ask you for grace. Keep coming. Come on. Come on. Don't you want it? It's free. It's right now. Grace just bow with me for a moment if you will father these people have received your word and responded especially those who've stepped out this morning you know what they need and you're a good god say amen church god would you multiply grace and peace help me pray this way now and help for their lives right now today those of you that are common others of you i speak blessings on your life Right now, as your shepherd and pastor, under the authority of the Holy Spirit, I speak healing for your body and help for your home. Receive it. Say amen. I speak that the angels of God would encamp around you. 
I, I speak that what your hands touch, it will be blessed. Come on and say amen to that. What your mouth speak, it will be words of faith and words of healing. I, I, I pray no weapon of the devil formed against you will prosper. Come on, receive that, church. I pray you'd blessed, be blessed going out and coming in and laying down and rising up. Receive it, everybody. I, I pray what the devil means for evil, God will detour it and give you a blessing. Come on, give him praise. You are a child of God. You are not a second-class citizen. You are not a has-been. You, you have royal blood in your veins because you are king's kid. I call you blessed and not cursed. I call you alive and well. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, receive it. Give Him thanks right now. Come on. I love you. I praise you, God. Yes. 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 God will never force anything on us, but if we'll take it, He'll give it. Have the best day of your life. God bless you as you go. Enjoy each other. Praise you, Jesus.